following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. John 12, we'll begin in verse 37. John 12, beginning in verse 37. John 12 and 37. Here the Bible says, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed. Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory, and spake of him. Again, as we're in our study of the book of John, the gospel of John, uh, we want to consider this morning, begin to consider this subject, the amazement of unbelief, the amazement of unbelief. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for thy word and for thy goodness. Lord, as we consider these, uh, these scriptures this morning, Father, thank you for a warm place to meet and to worship you. And Father, for those who could be with us this morning early, and I pray, Father, that you would bless our time as we look into thy word. And Father, help us, Lord, to see this, in some senses, very sad situation before us. And Lord, Father, I pray that none who come to this church would walk away in this kind of condition. And Father, Lord, I pray you'd have every, your way in every heart. Lord, we cannot do anything of any eternal value without the God, God help me to preach and Father, help us to listen. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Again, the amazement of unbelief. Now, remembering always that uh, you know, it's an interesting here as the, as the Lord is, uh, as we continue on in this particular chapter, we find uh, that uh, Peter, or excuse me, not Peter, but the Lord is, has done, the Bible says here in verse 37, done many miracles and uh, things that should have caused amazement and faith did in some senses just uh, the opposite uh, in the hearts of men. If you look with me to Second uh, Peter, excuse me, Second Peter 1, and verse 19, remembering always that this is a record found in the eternal inspired uh, word of God and should be taken heed to, even though many in Christ's day. You know, it's an amazing thing. Sometimes as a preacher, I get disturbed when it seems as though as I preach the word of God, some folks are maybe fighting with it or not listening to it or hum, ho-humming ho, ho it and what have you. Our Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who said everything right, did everything right, still found those that refused to believe him, though he were the very living word of God in Second Peter 1 and 19. The Bible says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And because it is the inspired word of God spoken through man to us, it's important that we take heed to what God is saying. You know, it's sad though that there are many who heard it from the very lips of God. 
and rejected it from the very lips of God. And that's, uh, in one sense, why I titled this message, The Amazement of Unbelief. The word amazement means uh, astonishment, confusion, or perplexity from uh, from a sudden impression of fear, surprise, or wonder. It is sometimes accompanied with fear or terror, sometimes merely extreme wonder or admiration at some great, sudden, or unexpected event, at an unusual sight, or of the narration of an extraordinary event. And folks, repeatedly, as the Lord lived in this world, they saw God, this world saw God in the flesh. And yet we find that people still did not believe and be saved, even though God himself appeared to them. And so as we talk about this amazement, if you're looking back to our text in John 12, this amazement of unbelief, I want to consider the first thing, if you will, in verse 37 of John 12. But but though he had done so many miracles before him, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed. Now God was manifesting his arm, his mighty power in the person of his son, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what what it boils down to? And he says it here, but though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not. And what the impression I get as I looked at the scripture is that they would not believe. It wasn't that they couldn't believe. It was that they would not believe. It was a choice that they made in the face in the face, first of all, of uh, the sheer volume of miracles. He says in verse 37, uh, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, say, uh, spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord been revealed? God had revealed himself and he was manifesting his mighty power, his arm of power. Whenever you see this reference to the arm of the Lord, if you will, we're talking about the mighty power of God. And often it has this reference to the Son of God, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the face of all the many miracles... And you know, there's no record of how many miracles. The Bible says that he had just done many, many, many miracles. You know, miracles where God suspends even the laws of nature to do something spectacular because he's God. He is God, the God that created all things. Look with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And let's look at verses 23 and 24. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues. I don't want to stop there. And it says, uh, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. I don't want to stop there. What often gets overshadowed by the miracles is the message. Now, Christ was not just a miracle worker. He was not just running around doing miracles for miracles' sake. He was performing miracles to confirm the preaching of his word that this was a work from God so that people would listen to take heed to the message. 
But it says here in the latter part of the verse, and healing all manner of sicknesses and all manner of diseases among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those uh, which were possessed with devils, and those uh, which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And the Bible says, and their great multitudes followed him, uh, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and uh, from beyond Jordan. And folks, everybody, everywhere he went, he was healing people. It wasn't the only thing he was doing. And in one sense, it wasn't the primary thing that he was doing. The primary thing, the most important thing, was the message that he was preaching to those people, the miracles that were to cause them to sit up and take heed to the message that he was preaching to them. And it's amazing in the face of God himself, God himself, you know, we talk about Spurgeon as being the prince of preachers, and he's a great preacher, but who's greater than Christ? And in the face of Christ's preaching, And on top of it, the miracles have verified the very power of the Son of God. They would not believe. Look at Matthew 9. Matthew chapter 9. And verse 35. Matthew 9. And verse 35. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel, of the kingdom of God and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they had fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Now there was a work for them to do, the harvest field with the hearts of men, And the important thing was the salvation of men. Not just creating a wonder before their eyes uh, with miracles. Again, he's preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and healing every sickness and every disease, even as we saw in Matthew uh, chapter 4, that all that came to him that had sicknesses and palsies and demon-possessed, all were healed, all were helped. Wow. And yet in the face of all of that, we find people that would not believe. If you will, Matthew 11. Matthew chapter 11, looking at verse 20. Then, Matthew 11, verse 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Okay, again, he is drawing attention to the mighty works but not just the mighty works, the message that went with them. And he says here, Because they repented not, woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in that day, in the day of, at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted into heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. 
And at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven, because thou hast revealed, thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. And he's revealed them to all men. And yet there were those that resisted the revelation uh, that Jesus was the Christ, uh, the Savior of the world. He, as he preached the gospel, the gospel was how that Christ would die for their sins and would be buried and rose, rise again the third day. And folks, in the face of everything he did, they rejected it. And it's sad because uh, the Lord wants all men to be saved. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, in verse 28, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest of your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Lord wants all men to be saved, to come unto him and, and be saved by the grace of God. And yet, in the face of everything that Christ did, he pronounces a woe upon those cities where he had done many mighty works in conjunction with the preaching of the gospel, as Mark 1 and verse 15 says, repent ye and believe the gospel. He marveled and he brought a woe. He said, listen, I've done all of these things for you. And he wouldn't repent and believe. What an amazing thing sometimes that men do in the face of all that God has done for us. What an now stop and think with me for a minute. What an amazing thing if you're saved today. What an amazing thing if you're saved today. You know what? Before I was saved, I never saw Christ doing mighty wonders and miracles. And yet, thankfully, there was a preacher that preached the gospel to me. Maybe he even talked about the mighty wonders of God so that I might believe the gospel. And I don't, sometimes, you know what? How, how can we explain, how can we explain how men believe and don't believe? You know, I'm amazed that I'm saved. And you're saying, yeah, we're amazed that you're saved too. But you know what? I'm amazed that you're saved. Amen? Think about yourself. What an amazing thing that anybody is saved. You know, the, the disciples after Christ in Matthew 19 dealt with the, the rich young ruler, very religious young ruler, uh, and, and he said, what lack I yet? And the Lord said, he told him what the problem was, and he walked away from Christ and salvation, the eternal life, and he chose his wealth over Christ. A God that could not save him. The God of covetousness that could not save him. And the disciples said, well, and Jesus said, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they said, who then can be saved? With God, this is impossible. With, uh, with men, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. What an amazing thing that salvation, that any sinner is saved by the grace of God. And what an amazing thing that those who lived in the very day of Christ's first coming and saw his mighty and wonderful works, rejected him. Look with me to John 15. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I'm amazed by it, and then I ask myself, well, what would I have done if I'd have lived in those days? 
Would I have responded differently? Would I have said, well, you're saved now. Surely you would have responded truly. Really? I would hope so. In the face of the, the great evidence God gave of his power, in John 15 and verse 20, John 15 and verse 20, the Bible says, Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. Folks, as Christ came and spoke, he revealed to them their condition. He taught them what they were, sinners in need of a Savior. He goes on to say, He that hateth me hateth my Father also. Then he says in verse 24, in conjunction, he has spoken to them the words of God. And then verse 24, If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my Father. But this cometh, cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled which is written, that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. There was no cause for them to hate the Lord. But you know, on the one hand, he says, listen, I've spoken to them. I've revealed to them. I've torn the cloak off. They know they're sinners. And then he said, I've manifest my mighty power before them. And they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. What an amazing thing. Look at Luke 16. You know, sometimes the cults, the charismatic groups, and, the, and let me say this, I don't, I don't want to uh, think for a moment that everybody who is, who is going to a charismatic church is lost. But often the, they, they make the focus of the charismatic movement and cults, they make the focus of what they do some kind of miraculous happening, some kind of, uh, of experience that takes precedent over the Word of God. And let me tell you something, folks. The most important thing that we listen to and that God uses is the Word of God. The Bible says in Ephesians that Ephesians 6 that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. In Hebrews 4 and verse 12, the Bible says the Word of God is likened unto a sword. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the very heart and soul of man. Not like a miracle. A miracle doesn't have, in some senses, that power. Luke 16 and 19. And there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And we know that this is not a parable and that these are actual events, and that hell is real and hot, a place of torment and judgment. 
And Abraham said in verse 25, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send into my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto, unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto, the, unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now, the reason this is important is because here's a man who's a rich man who neglected the gospel, would not believe, died and went to hell. There was no hope for him anymore. And let me say this. We know nowadays we have people that supposedly die, and some of who have supposedly gone to heaven, seen heaven, come back and written a book. So we're supposed to be impressed by the fact that they supposedly died went to heaven and came back and wrote a book. And now I've heard recently that there is a book that's been written by a guy that died and went to hell. Never in Scripture do we find any even account of anyone who died and went to hell and came out of hell short of the devil who will be loosed one day. And then at the final judgment in Revelation 20... But up until that time, when they, they go to, when people die and go to hell, they're like the rich man. They're not coming out. And God isn't going to send someone back from hell to give us a message in a book form because God has given us a message in a book form already. The message of the glorious gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We don't need somebody's account of what they believe happened to them. God has given us an account in his word of a man who died and went to hell, and God told him through Abraham, you're not coming out. Until the final judgment. And you know, this rich man in hell imagined, well, if you'll send Lazarus back to my family, as one who, and obviously his family knew him, Send him back and let him testify of, of the, the goodness and the, of the gospel and the resurrection from the dead and all of that, and surely they will, be, be, will believe. Really? Jesus said in the end, last verse, he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. You know what? <clears throat> Lazarus rose from the dead was alive, <clears throat> from, my, from all I can gather, was alive when Christ died on the cross of Calvary and rose again. Was alive after Christ brought him again from the dead. Did Lazarus write a book? Was the fact that he rose from the dead enough for people to be saved? God used it. But what is it that God really uses in the human heart like nothing else? The Word of God. The Word of God. And yet, and we have a record of Lazarus, we have a record of all these things, 
all the miracles of God. Sometimes God specifically gives us a glimpse into, the, into, into his healing of, of separate individuals. Yet in the face of this, this record, many in our day would not and will not believe. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing that men will not believe in the face of what God has said. And you know, the devil's done everything he can to pollute the waters, the living waters of God's word by all of these new versions. He's trying to pollute the seed, pollute the water so that people cannot be saved. It's important, folks. They would not believe in the face of the sheer volume of the miracles. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, wow. And that's why the Lord said, that's why Abraham said to them, you know what? If they won't hear the word of God, he said, I don't care if you send Abra if I said, if I sent Lazarus back, it wouldn't make any difference. It wouldn't make any difference. If they won't listen to the word of God, it wouldn't make any difference. For all the miracles that Christ did to verify his arm, his power, and his person to the world, and then he spoke to them, many would not believe. Secondly, their unbelief in the face of the prophecy of the words of God. You know, it's one thing for them to not believe in, in, the, in the face of the, the many miraculous miracles that happen, if you will, but then in the face of the prophecy of the words of God concerning these things, he says, and uh, look with me to John 12 again, John 12 and 38, that the, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, Matthew, excuse me, John 12 and 38, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed. You know, God, is, God put a premium, and Christ put a premium on the word of God and the use of it in the hearts of men. And uh, repeatedly you'll find in the scripture the use of this phrase that, that it might be fulfilled which he spake by such and such and so and so. God spake through the mouth of all of his prophets. He's given us his word. God wants us to take heed <coughs> to that word. Look with me to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. And verse 17, <clears throat> you know, sometimes we're trying to find all kinds of means whereby we can get people saved. Uh, you know what? Sometimes we're, sometimes we're looking for newfangled ways to help people to be saved. Ways sometimes that do not involve the Word of God. Now, you know, I'm not necessarily against videos that sometimes are, are, are shown in churches. But when we put so much stock in hoping that if we'll present the truth in video form, a people will be saved is kind of ridiculous. Folks, if, if people wouldn't take heed to miracles, do we think and do we stop and imagine that they're going to take heed and truly be saved because they watch some emotional movie that moves them? Or some concert 
that moves them, or rather through the preaching of his word. You know, people need to hear the word of God. God puts the premium on it. He says in Matthew 5 and verse 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Here we, we see again the priority of the word of God. And the fact that, you know, folks, God is going to see to it that everything that he has prophesied of himself, or whatever the prophecy may be, that it is going to come to pass. He says in the Old Testament, Have I not spoken it? Have I not said it? And shall I not make it come to pass? Surely he will. Surely he will. Folks, you know what? If he didn't, it would make him a liar. And who wants to follow a liar? What hope is in there? What hope is there in believing a liar? None. Or a lie. Jesus said in John uh, chapter 14, he says in or John chapter 8, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. And what is the truth? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17 and 12. I remember years ago talking to a fellow that had come to church and I went to see him after the fact and, and uh, I brought with him some uh, discipleship material and what have you and I was going to sit down and talk to him about church and the word of God and all that stuff and he said to me something that I will never forget. He said, you know what I don't like about your church? I said, uh-oh, here it comes. <clears throat> I thought he was going to say, you know, your hairdo or your suit, or your smile, or whatever. No, you know what he said? He said, you use too much of the Word of God. He said to me, don't you know that if you give people too much Bible, they're going to lose their faith? And I was shocked. I was totally shocked. I've never heard anyone, never heard anyone say that. And, you know... There may be times, and I've thought to myself at times, you know, maybe I'm spending too much time in the Word of God. Well, I'd rather go that direction than use too little of the Word of God. Because God works through His Word to do a special thing in the heart. In John 17 and 12, you look there with me. John 17 and 12. Jesus said this as he is praying. This is his intercessory prayer for his people, his church. He says, while I was with them, verse 12 in John 17, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of, of perdition, speaking of Judas, why? That the scriptures might be fulfilled. Now, God didn't choose for Judas uh, for him to be lost. It was a choice jo uh, Judas made for himself. He chose unbelief over faith. And again, Judas walked in the presence of the other apostles, in the presence of Christ every day. 
and yet he would not believe. But he said these things happen in some senses uh, for the fulfillment of the word of God. God had prophesied that Judas would do exactly what he did because God knows the end from the beginning. God knows everyone who's going to be saved from eternity past. He doesn't step in knowing that people will reject him and force them to be saved, and neither does he choose for others uh, to be saved or not to be saved. God just knows because he is God who will be saved and who won't be saved. In John 19, John 19, verses 23 and 24, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without, uh, was without seam, woven from top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled which saith, they parted my garment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now, something else that's important to remember, it wasn't just for the sake of the fact that he had said these things that it would come to pass, but he said these things prophetically about what would go on in the lives of men, and particularly in the life of Christ. I'm sure as even Christ has been, uh, has been uh, uh, called out as an enemy and, and uh, sent to be crucified, and the multitude that it, for a long time had followed him were blessed by him, were now crying out for his crucifixion, and as they're listening, and as they're watching, and as they're observing, God is seeing to it that many of the things that were prophesied of Christ were coming to pass, were being fulfilled, hoping, and there's, there's the prayer of God, and should be our prayer that people will see that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. This is, this is prophetic of Psalm 22 and Psalm 69. Words spoken of Christ. And the Jews, many of the Jews were raised up with the word of God from little, little people till they were adults. Many of them knew what the Bible said and the hope is that as we preach the word of God that people will take heed to it and believe and be saved. And yet in the face of all that the Lord was doing and the scriptures... They would not believe. In Psalm 44, in verse 1. <clears throat> Psalm 44, in verse 1. <clears throat> we have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days, in the times of old how thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hadst a favor unto them. He, again, he's pointing to the arm of the Lord. God has revealed his arm to us 
from what he's done from the beginning of time all the way through in the, in the nation of Israel. We have seen his arm for the sake of Israel and others in the past in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Here the Bible says, Who uh, who hath believed our report? Where's the report coming from? The word of God. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? How can it be revealed to men today? Through the word of God. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we did see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. This is prophetic of Christ. The arm of the Lord, the Savior, the, the Messiah. And John 1 and 29. John 1 and 29. <clears throat> and as Jesus is coming to John Baptist, John 1 and 29, as Jesus is coming to John Baptist to be baptized of him, the Bible says in verse 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, that's John Baptist, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You know, you know what's interesting here? He's using this wording, he's referring to Isaiah 53 and other passages that refer to the Lamb of Atonement in the worship among the Jews. And when he used those words, the Jews knew what he was saying. He didn't do it by accident. He did it on purpose. He says in verse 30, This is he of whom I said after me, Come of the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. You know what a baptism does? It's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And every time somebody is saved by the grace of God without baptism, baptism gives them an opportunity to testify of the gospel of the grace of God that saved their soul. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Even as John Baptist preached... And John bear record in verse 32 saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but that he sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. You know, John Baptist on purpose pointed to Christ as the arm of the Lord, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world in Romans 10. Romans 10. <clears throat> and beginning in verse 12. <clears throat> Romans 10. 
and beginning in verse 12. The Bible says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now watch verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? What obedience is he talking about? Well, how do we obey the gospel? By believing the report that God has given us of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Verse 6, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. Faith in whom? Faith in what? In the arm of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Verse 18, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words into the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. And a foolish nation, I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that not, asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, All day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Folks, they would not believe. And as we're talking about looking back to John 12, <clears throat> John 12, and verses 37 to 41, we won't read the entire thing. But we said here, we, we talked about the amaze, we're talking about the amazement of unbelief. It's amazing because in the face of the Bible says in verse 37, the many miracles he had done before them, yet they believed not on him. And then in the face, their unbelief in the face of the prophecies of the word of God concerning Christ. It's an amazing thing that anyone would not believe in Christ and yet they do. And, it's, and, and these folks that Christ is talking about are those who saw Christ in the flesh, alive and well, and they saw the miracles, the power of God, and they heard the word of God from the very mouth of God and still did not believe. Man, that, that amazes me. But you know what? We can see the miracles of God by faith. In the word of God. We can hear the, the voice of God, the words of God from the mouth of God. Amen. And many still do. And yet I'm amazed that they still do not believe. They, sh- they would not and they will not believe. Next time we'll come back and see the second thing. They could not believe. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.